The past couple episodes have been about the betraying spouse helping the betrayed spouse. Today, we want to look at how a betraying spouse can also take care of his or her own healing needs, particularly as it relates to dealing with your own shame and guilt, but also looking at how you're coping with the fallout of the betrayal. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an interesting episode for you this week. This is episode number 241, and today we're going to be talking about dealing with your own shame and guilt after you've betrayed your spouse. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how to work with your spouse's betrayal trauma as the betraying partner. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Caleb, question here. Why do we keep coming back to the betraying spouse? Like the last two uh, were how to work with your betrayed spouse. Today, we're coming back to talk to the betrayer. Well, I'll give you one reason why. Okay. It's because they're usually the person that we're talking to in counseling. And so I wanted this to be a resource to them to help them understand some of the work they need to do so they can help their betrayed spouse feel safer. Oh, I would have thought it would be the betrayed spouse that would come for counseling. No, often they're mandated in, like you're talking to a therapist or we're done, like Uh, you have to solve this. Okay. Now we do help both sides for sure. And we're uh, sort of very trained, aware and equipped to do so. But that's, uh, yeah, if we need to come back more to the other side, we'll do that. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. One thing we want to make all of you aware of is our 2020 marriage cruise. It's I don't know. It seemed like it was so far away and it just keeps getting closer and closer. Like we're already halfway through 2019. Oh, it's crazy. Anyways, this wonderful marriage cruise departs Fort Lauderdale, Florida for seven nights on February 15th, 2020. And we have some conference room space reserved aboard the ship. And when you're not enjoying a port excursion or one of the onboard amenities, you'll be able to enjoy some entertaining and educational teaching from Caleb about marriage. So we cover things on the cruise that we don't talk about in the podcast. It's very hands-on in that you get to learn and practice with each other right there. One thing, the cruise is not really for highly distressed couples. We'd want to see folks in that category do marriage counseling first. But if you're a couple who knows that regular maintenance is what keeps your relationship in great shape, or even if things have gotten too busy in life and you need a chance to reset, this is a great opportunity. So you can learn more by visiting our website via the short link, oyf.link slash cruise, or even send me an email at verlinda, that's V-E-R-L-Y-N-D-A, at onlyyouforever.com. Hope to have you aboard. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yep. All right, let's get into the topic of dealing with your shame and guilt after betrayal. Okay. If that's what our listener is facing today. So this is for the betrayer. This is for the betrayer. Okay. The betraying spouse. So the first thing is that, you know, there's kind of a balanced, there's a balance to the coping. I'm just going to dive right in rather than trying to explain that term. I think it'll become clear as we go. Okay. But whenever there's a betrayal in marriage, it introduces a lot of interpersonal conflict between the two spouses, right? And how you cope with this conflict is critical to how and if you're able to get through the problem with your marriage intact. So that means... You'll need to be part of the healing process that for the damage that's occurred between you, as well as facing your own issue or issues with regards to the betrayal, like how you came to do that, make that choice. Oh, okay. So 
If all you do is focus on apologizing and taking care of your offended spouse, you will not do the personal work you need to do in order to make sure you don't find yourself in that same betraying position again in the future. Okay. This is the balance part. Okay. Okay. Now, I have to keep an eye on this as a therapist, even when I'm working with someone who finds themselves in the role of the betrayer. It's easy to focus on what they want to do in order to calm their betrayed spouse down, like they want to put the fire out. Yeah. And But then you never really get to deal with why and how this person found themselves in a place where they made a decision to betray their wife or their husband. And that work needs to be done as well. That's the individual work, not the work on the couple or the marriage mm-hmm. or the betrayed spouse. But that individual work needs to be done in order to ensure they don't find themselves there again. So there has to be some concern for yourself as well as you're coping with the situation at hand. So that's what you mean by balanced yes. coping. Okay. And sometimes people cope with a situation like this by trying to act like it never happened. That, that is one tactic that some couples use. So if we ignore the elephant in the room, perhaps it'll go away. That's the thought. It doesn't work, but mm-hmm. we try it anyways. Mm-hmm. Or... Towards the other end of things in our coping, we focus on our own frustration and even sometimes our own self-pity with how we found ourselves in the position of the betrayer. And you can become Mm -hmm. much too involved or self-absorbed in your own kind of wallowing in your own guilt and shame and all that. Right. And wanting your spouse to take pity on you. Yeah. So there's this tension between concern for your spouse and concern for yourself. And really the best thing to do is to go for an integrated approach. And what that means is that you take on a high level of concern both for your spouse and for yourself a balanced approach to coping with the situation. And this will adjust a little bit with time, but in the early days, that balance following the betrayal, the early days following the betrayal, that balance is more likely to lean towards your spouse. And then as you get a little further along in your healing journey, it's about focusing more on yourself again, again, so that you don't repeat the betrayal. Okay. Okay. So typically at these early stages, especially in this first year, if both of you can see your own counselor, that is ideal. It's even better if you can have a third a therapist just for the marriage that you can see together that can help you calm the crisis that exists between you. So you kind of, then you both have someone, you know, this is the most ideal situation. Not everybody can afford this, right? Yeah. But the most ideal situation is you each have a therapist in your corner mm-hmm. that's challenging you and helping you to work through your stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you also have someone that's helping you get along at home, especially if you have kids in the home, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And, uh, we call that the three-legged stool, so or the three legs of the stool. It really gives good balance to do all three things if you can. Okay. Now, as far as then this goes, and, and now moving sort of more towards your own part of, of what needs to be done, let's talk about dealing with shame and guilt from betrayal. So these are, these are the two most common emotions after you do something that you're not proud of, guilt and shame. Okay. And those emotions are also regulators of moral behavior because they increase self-awareness and stress. So it should feel more difficult to do things that go against your own values. Okay. And you feel that through the experience of guilt and shame. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now, the tricky thing is researchers have noted that these emotions also influence how people cope with relationship difficulties. So we need to unpack them a little bit because they they can get in the way of relating to each other. So let's start with shame. Okay. Now, shame is really about who you are, or at least who you see yourself to be. It's really identity related. Okay. For example, I'm a betrayer or I'm a terrible husband or I'm a terrible wife because I did this thing, right? Okay. Shame tends to create feelings of hopelessness because it speaks to our character or to identity or personality rather than to our behavior. So for example, to say I am an adulterer rather than I committed adultery because we're talking about betrayal here, right? Okay. And the idea here though is not to minimize the difficult reality of something, but to keep it in its context. So for example, in the moment when you were betraying your spouse, You were in the role of an adulterer, if that was the nature of the betrayal. 
But now you would be more accurately described, assuming that you've seized the behavior, by the act rather than the shame-based identity. I committed adultery rather than I am an adulterer right now. Okay, okay. Now, I'm not trying to minimize what happened or what was done, so just kind of bear with me through this part. But the problem with shame is that it's a disabling emotion. It doesn't inspire you to change or to do better or to try to make things right. And in fact, shame often causes people to blame others or to avoid others. What? Yeah. You know, if you'd been more sexually available, I wouldn't have had to do that. Because they're ashamed of what they've done. Because I feel so much shame about myself. I have to take the attention off myself because I can't bear it. So let's talk about what's wrong with you. Oh, wow. Okay. Or even to avoid your spouse who represents the offense. Right. Essentially. Yes, yes. And often to direct anger at yourself. So you kind of see how all those things are not productive towards getting this sorted, right? Yeah. They get in the way. Okay. And it gets in the way of problem solving as a couple. And it can also create a fear of intimacy. Not that I'm saying, I don't mean that in the sense you want to have sex right away, but in the sex that you need to open up with, in the sense that you need to open up with your spouse and be, that was a Freudian slip, and be transparent, right? But you don't want to do that because you believe you're such a horrible person. You don't want them to actually see that part of you. Right. But the thing you need to do following this, if you guys are planning to rebuild your marriage, is to open up to each other. So shame gets in the way of that. Okay. Right? Yeah. So... So it really does get in the way. Now, now, part of this discussion around shame and guilt often comes back to the issue of forgiveness. And people talk about, I need to even forgive myself for what I did. Okay. Now, I have, to be candid, I have some mixed feelings about that. But because this seems relevant to some people, we went ahead this time. We made a bonus exercise for self-forgiveness. So if you're in the situation where you've betrayed your spouse and you really feel that not only do you need your spouse's forgiveness, but you need to forgive yourself in order to move past the guilt and shame, then you really want to get the exercise that comes with today's episode. It steps you through the process of self-forgiveness and it, it requires honesty, but it may help unburden you from some of the guilt and shame surrounding the betrayal, just so that you can be more present with your spouse and do the work that you need to do with them. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And again, we'll take a quick 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about understanding shame. And so let's just stay on that for a moment longer. Look at how to deal with shame and how to overcome shame. So defaulting to some sort of belief that I am a horrible person, that kind of belief, that actually shortcuts the process of working through how you came to betray your spouse. And that also might be the reason why you've turned to shame as a coping mechanism is because it it does keep you away from having to face the darker stuff in a way. Yeah, it's almost easier. I'm just bad and we'll stop there. Yeah. Right? Huh. Okay. 
It's more difficult, but it's also much more useful and in the end, much less shame-inducing to look at the road that led you to the betrayal, to examine the actions, the beliefs, the decisions that led you to the place where you betrayed your spouse. What were the excuses that you made? What were the secrets that you hid? What were the lies that you told? What were the errors in judgment? Okay. So seeing yourself as a person who made a number of bad choices is shame-reducing and healthier for your mental well-being than simply saying, I'm a horrible person and really letting that soak in. Okay. It also helps you understand where and why you failed to maintain your own moral values so that you can then turn around knowing those failures and learning from them. You can turn around and make better choices going forward. Right. This also makes you a safer person for your spouse. So you don't end up going down the same road. Yeah. And you haven't learned to recognize it. Yes. So you end up in the same spot. Yeah. So this, I think there's a paradox here, Verletta, because stepping away from shame doesn't mean you're minimizing what you did, but it's actually quite the opposite. Right. But, oh, but that's hard though, because if you, if you minimize the shame, like I'm thinking the betrayed spouse is going to want the betrayer to feel like they're a horrible person. All the time. what they did. Well, maybe in their moments of rage and maybe at the start. Yeah. But I generally see betrayed spouses like you need to figure your junk out so that you don't do this again. And right. You can't, okay. You can't get yes. to that part if you're just like, I'm such a jerk and you stop there. Right. Which like, is a no, shame statement. Go do your work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. How did you do something jerky? Right. That's the question. So, yeah. Okay. It helps you to really carefully scrutinize the wrong that you did so that you can learn and prevent that from recurring. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's borne out in the research. So, and as always, if you want to see the studies that we use to back up our articles and the content that we have on this, just in case there's some new listeners here, you can go to our show notes for the episode. And in the show notes, we reference the studies that we have. And then there's a, there's a set of, um, what do you call that thing at the end? Yeah, bibliography at the end. Okay. So that's shame. Okay. Let's move to guilt. Okay. Now, when you start to move out of the shame and really look at the choices and decisions, then you're going to be facing the guilt of what you're done. Guilt is not a happy feeling or one that you will enjoy, but it's a much more productive emotion than shame. Guilt creates opportunities for growth, for making amends, and for rising above your mistakes. Unlike shame, guilt focuses on what you did rather than who you are. So, for example, I betrayed my husband instead of I'm an adulterer, or I really mistreated my wife instead of I'm an arrogant jerk. Now we're really kind of getting into, okay, what happened? Right? Okay. Okay. And when you take on guilt instead of shame, it makes you more capable of making amends for what you've done because you feel much less hopeless. So where shame is a disabling emotion, guilt can be a motivating emotion. Okay. And not only that, but when you when you do that and you see how it impacts your spouse, it fosters empathy and it fosters accountability as well. And to quote some researchers, accountability. Yeah, because you've identified the behavior, so you can say, "This is what I need you to watch for." Like you can tell your best friend. Oh, you know okay, okay. Here's what was going on in my life that I wasn't yeah. dealing with, right? Whereas if you just stayed at I'm a jerk, you wouldn't get to those details. Okay, gotcha. And so to quote some researchers, they said that guilt leads to higher quality solutions to crises, is associated with constructive anger management, and controls and inhibits or restrains actions that are likely to cause harm. Okay. Because make- if you feel guilty about doing something, yep. you're probably not going to do it again. Right. But if you're just already a horrible person... How is that going to stop you? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. 
So all in all, this is much more effective in helping your marriage heal after a betrayal. This is harder yeah. work, but good work to do, right? Okay. Now, while we're definitely encouraging you to move towards guilt over shame and then to leverage that guilt to make amends and help you navigate the recovery of your marriage more effectively, it's important to note that there is maladaptive guilt and there is adaptive guilt. Okay. Maladaptive guilt dwells on the past and it stops there. So for example, what I did was so wrong and you kind of get stuck there, right? Okay. Adaptive guilt acknowledges, accepts the past, but it focuses on creating a better future. So it goes like, what I did was so wrong, but I will work towards making it right or making sure I make the changes so that that doesn't happen again. Okay. That's adaptive guilt. So so even though we've gone from shame to guilt and that's an improvement, there's still good, good guilt and bad guilt, basically. Right, right. Okay. So seeing yourself as someone who's currently working towards making things right is an important perspective to adopt in during this phase of rebuilding your marriage. It's a productive way of seeing yourself because it's honest enough to embrace the guilt, but it doesn't foster shame. Okay. So Because you're working towards making it right. Yes. So that's the adaptive guilt. Yeah. Okay. So in all of this, we're not asking folks to deny or minimize the guilt or the wrongdoing in any way. It's actually quite the opposite, right? It's useful to acknowledge and sit in the full sense of all the wrong that you've done. Mm -hmm. Very uncomfortable, but it's very useful. And when you adopt a productive attitude towards those very difficult feelings of guilt, then you can be motivated to make changes, to make amends, mm -hmm. to commit to ongoing recovery work if addiction was part of the betrayal, as one another example. And also uh, to compassionately sit with your betrayed spouse in their grief as well. Okay. Because you're realizing this is this is the consequence of my behavior. Your tears are a result of my actions. Right. And so I don't have to freak out here and run away because of the shame, but just acknowledge I did that's wrong. But this, you know, me seeing your grief motivates me to make sure that I do make these changes so I never put you back in this. Much okay. more productive. So... Like, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think sometimes on the outside, it can look like minimizing. Like if you have someone who's like, oh, I'm a horrible person, you know, they feel bad about what they did. But then if you hear someone say like, I did something that was wrong, that doesn't like, they don't, they don't look like they're feeling bad enough. Huh. Right. So it, I, even though it's not minimizing the guilt or wrongdoing in any way. You're not asking anybody to deny that. I yeah. think sometimes it may look like that. Yeah. Look like, I don't think this is as big a deal. So what do you think they should do instead? I don't know. I'm just acknowledging I, that it might not look yeah, like it, so maybe. One idea there is is just the, yeah, I did this wrong and identifying it kind of really explicitly what that was. Yeah. Um, I mean explicitly in the sense of not watering it down. Okay. Right, but not being explicit. Okay. And and this is how it impacted my wife or my husband and and then describing the emotional impact on them. And if, I mean, it, it'd be really hard to acknowledge what you've done and how it impacted them without you showing some, like an emotional response to that. Okay. Right. Okay. So that if you demonstrate that there's an empathic connection to the impact. Okay. Whereas when someone's just kind of wallowing around and that I'm such a loser, I'm such a jerk, that can get really annoying for the betrayed spouse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You just want to like give them a kick so, in the pants or something. Yeah. So I think you're right. But let's take that, the guilt acknowledgement kind of the, to the next level of, of you right. know, an empathic connection to how it. So it's not just a brush off like, oh, I did bad in the past, but yeah. it's an acknowledgement of that. And then yeah. an acknowledgement of the impact of it yeah. as well. Or maybe later on in life, it's more like an acknowledgement of the guilt. And also here's what I learned I had to do differently. 
because I wasn't doing okay. that before. And that's okay. how I'd made that horrible decision. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Alrighty. Right. So we want folks to actually embrace the guilt, not the shame, the guilt, and to see and use that as leverage for healing work, not just for your marriage, but for facing your own demons, if you will. And by that, I mean facing the personal attributes of character and attitude and belief that became a toxic mixture, which made it easy for you to betray your spouse or made it possible okay. at least for you to betray your spouse. Right. Right. So I guilt- mean, it was still their decision. It was still wrong, even though there was things that led yeah. up to it. And Yeah. 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 Okay to end there, baby? Yeah, I think so. There's lots to think about here. Yeah, I found this quite a fascinating one, learning about guilt and shame and this level of detail. Yeah. So we want to say thank you to Amy and Heather, who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. Thanks for your support. Next week. Next week, we're talking about keeping the romance alive. Oh, that'll be a little bit more exciting than all the betrayal lately. Awesome. be good. Good. We well, may need to, uh, I'll just say this before we go. I'm not sure we, we've had a hiccup in our researching process and we might need to take a week off in there somewhere, but oh, okay. be next episode anyways. Okay. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 241. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Also make sure you check out our cruise page at oif.link slash cruise. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oif.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.